We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. Hopefully yesterday you got your fun in. It was an enjoyable pod, enjoyable show. You threw on the film. You saw Jalen Hyatt effect. You saw Daniel Jones absolutely balling out. You saw anticipatory throwing. You saw darts. You saw good ball placement. You saw good velocity. You saw some good runs from Saquon Barkley. You saw some good offensive line play, some surprises. Joshua Zudu, Marcus McKethan. Because guess what? Today ain't going to be that way. We call it like it is here on Big Blue Banter. We're not the podcast that pretends things are great when they're not. Objectivity is our number one goal. There are plenty of podcasts that are going to tell you the sky is blue when the sky is gray on an overcast day. You can find those. I'm not going to mention them by names. Just go ahead and find them if you're listening and you don't like this kind of the talk. But I know most of the people still here do like this talk. And so we have to get to this game film today. And that's the Giants defense on the All-22 Coaches film against the Cardinals offense. This, to me, Nick, was without a doubt the most depressing film I've watched in the Brian Dable, uh, Joe Shane era. When you factor this thing by scale, and what do I mean by that? I mean relative to the opponent. This Arizona Cardinals team is garbage on offense. Let me make that clear. Now, we are going to give credit where it's due to Drew Petzing, the Cardinals offensive coordinator, because he called a hell of a game. But the personnel on the Cardinals team it is unacceptable for the Giants to have defensive film that looks this bad, in my opinion, against that kind of personnel. Talk about Josh Dobbs at quarterback, fine. He actually had a pretty good game, all things considered. James Conner's a fine running back. But this Cardinals offensive line is not good. They have journeymen at both guard spots. They have nothing at center to get excited about. Their franchise offensive line player is Humphreys, who's not that good. This is the type of offensive line that you are supposed to dominate. This is what we came for. We believe that the Giants' defensive line and defensive front was going to give them an edge this season. Where is it? It has to show up against a Cardinals team like this. You can't have reps like the ones I saw with Will Hernandez against Leonard Williams. You can't have a game where Leonard Williams, I know he didn't play a lot, and that's a weird thing going on anyway, in my opinion, from, from a just snap count standpoint. But man, oh man, Nick, I saw one impressive rep from Leonard Williams an entire game. This dude is like the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL this year, or like third or fourth highest paid non, and he's basically playing like a jag right now. And I don't know why. He's supposed to be fully healthy this year. And obviously, this is not what Joe Shane planned. He would never have Leonard Williams on the roster for that cap hit right now. This was Dave Gettleman's fault completely. The contract, the trade for a guy in an impending year, and the continuous pushback of his cap hit. 
But the point is, he's on the roster now. He's supposed to be fully healthy. He's still not that old of a player for in terms of decent alignment. Where is he in this game? Bobby Okereke, the Giants paid all this money for. And I know you can talk to this as well, and you're going to, Nick, later today in the show. He had, was not good either in this game. Yes, he had a great rep at the end of the game, a tackle for loss. But he was not good in this game either this game. Kayvon Thibodeau, who we've defended a lot on this show. Weird game film in this one, Nick. For the first time ever, I had a little question marks. A few questions, I should say, about the effort level. And I'm not going to expand on that too much because it was one game. It could have just been a weird game for him. Things would be going on. I don't know what was going on. But there were a couple plays, man, that didn't look good for him from an effort standpoint, if I'm going to be honest. And I think the pass rush thing for Thibodeau is, you know, a lot of it is we don't know the responsibility. You did a good job of explaining this to me off the pod, Nick, where there are times where he maybe, you know, we don't know if his responsibility is to drop into the flat or to, to account for the flat coverage or whatever it may be. But he didn't really make much of an impact in this one either, Nick. So those are three core players right there that are paid a lot of money or high draft capital that are supposed to make impact plays against an offensive line that looks like this. Straight up, like Will Hernandez is starting for the Cardinals at right guard. Leonard Williams should be eating that matchup alive on a snap-by-snap -snap basis, in my opinion. Bobby Okereke should be able to get through and make plays given what they pay him. And obviously, we'll get into some of the guys that disappointed as well, like Micah McFadden, who, in my mind, look, I was never high on McFadden. I didn't buy into the training camp buzz whatsoever. I didn't like his tape in 2022. I don't think he has the requisite athleticism to play the linebacker position, in my personal opinion. And so I think the film's going to look a lot like this for every game he starts. And I don't think they pretty much have any better options. Obviously, they're not playing Simmons a lot. But we can get to that too, Nick, because there are some, some speculation circ circling around that the Giants are going to do what they did in week two. But in week three, what they did in week two on the offensive side of the ball, major changes we didn't see coming. McCaffrey starts out of nowhere, Zudu. But do it on defense, and they might happen. We might see some new starters, and we might see some replacements, Nick. But all in all, man, this was the most depressing game film I've had to watch when you consider the matchup here. The Giants should have dominated, in my opinion, especially on the front, in the trenches. And simply put, they just did not. And Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, Dan, just had a good game plan. It was quick game against cover three, and all of the concepts were to attack cover three. Because I think Petzing knew that the New York Giants were going to gap out on defense. They were going to account for every gap, play middle of the field closed, have one safety deep, and Dan was Jason Pinnock deep often, and then crowd the line of scrimmage. And you would imagine, Dan, if that's the approach of the Giants, they would be able to figure out a way to fit the run. But I got to tip my cap to Petzing again, specifically through the first 75% of the game. He was right. able to identify how to remove certain defenders from the Giants run fit via motion and things of that nature, and then attack it to get the defense into minus one situations. He did that to open the game on the GT counter. He switched from GH counter to GT counter, and then the Giants were minus one and ended up being, I think, a 22-yard run for James Conner. And if I'm not mistaken, Dan, not a fantasy guy, although I play fantasy football like crazy, but I don't work in that industry. How many explosive runs does James Conner typically generate on the ground? I'm going to imagine it's probably not that much, but against the Giants defense with the addition of Bobby Okereke, with Kayvon Thibodeau, Jihad Ward, and all these beefy run defenders, they were able to create space on the ground. I'm worried about the second level. Micah McFadden did not look great in this game. Bobby Okereke, I'm even more disappointed with relative to the expectations for what he was paid. Fair. There were plays that Micah McFadden might be getting blamed for where I'm like, Bobby Okereke needs to be there. He needs to fit there. I don't know what he's doing. He's a little bit too patient or just isn't reading through the blocks. And it's not necessarily something we saw throughout his Colt film. Maybe he's still getting adjusted to this defense. But overall, 
the defensive game plan was simple in terms of coverage, right? Like I think we have the splits here, man coverage 36.7% of the time. It's basically always cover one zone coverage, 58.3% of the time. A lot of the time it was cover three. It looked like Petsing had an answer for cover three specifically early, man, just with quick game, quick passing concepts. And then the one vertical shot that we'll go over here in a little bit to Zach Ertz off of the cover three. Look, he knew how to manipulate the coverage. And I also saw Dan plenty of miscommunications in coverage. Some of this stem from Crazy Micah McFadden. Miscommunications. Yes. And it's not just Micah McFadden. It's also with the safeties. It's with the young corners, which is to be expected. But one thing about Micah McFadden that I wanted to bring up, what was the reason why he was benched last year against Green Bay four plays into his game? Essentially, it wasn't four plays into the game, but when he was on the football field, he was benched for weeks. It was a missed assignment. Yeah. It wasn't even just a missed assignments. He didn't know exactly where he had to be. And I think yeah. that's that's happening a little bit here, not just in terms of coverage, but also against the run. There was one play. I think I have it down. So we'll go over it a little bit later where you could see McFadden visibly upset, visibly pissed off at himself. Like, that was on me. And it's like, yeah, it was. And it was just a, a bad look for the giants front. There's a lot to talk about and unpack. We're going to get to all of it and we're going to get to some play breakdowns. I want to start with a few things you said though, and kind of dive a little deeper on them. The first is this. Look, Nick, I know they made an adjustment late in the game, and I give credit to Wink Martindale for doing that, and it helped a lot. But we're still seeing signs of this team unable to stop counter runs, and there were many big plays off of counter runs in this game, and that's against a bad O-line. And what did we say last year? The one thing that worries us about the Giants is teams are going to have more tape on them. And when they have more tape on them in the same system, and the Giants are bringing back the same system on both sides of the ball, they're going to attack the things that they can't do on film until they can prove that they can stop those things in the actual games. And yes, you're still going to find stingy teams like the Vikings last year or the Seahawks last year who just run their zone and that's it. They don't practice counter runs and they're not going to pull it out in a game. But now you're going to have other teams that are a little more flexible. And most teams, in my opinion, are flexible in the run game that are simply not going to adhere to that. They're just going to say, look. We're going to add more counter to our game plan for this team because we're game planning to beat the Giants. And that's another hat tip to Drew Petsing because, I mean, it was a lot of I was impressed with what he did in the passing game. But, you know, he also leaned on the counter run game. And I, I haven't watched all Cardinals, dude, but like I'm sure that that they used it more than they use it typically and that his game plan was pretty specific to face the Giants. So I started I wanted to start by saying that. Um the second point I wanted to make was with regards to what you mentioned about Mike McFadden in the secondary and at times Bobby O'Karake and just mostly McFadden in the secondary at times just seeming like there were weird communication issues in the secondary guys running to the same spot guys running to the same depth guys not passing off defenders. Well, Micah McFadden having to have Bobby O'Karake point in the middle of plays to get to places. And it looked to me like the closest thing, Nick, that I saw to the James Betcher error since the James Betcher error. And they've had multiple coordinators in since. They had Patrick Graham. This didn't happen almost ever in Patrick Graham's system. This didn't happen almost ever in Wink Martindale's system last season. So it's super surprising to me to see that many. I'm talking more than one handful of plays where just total miscommunication errors. We'll show some of these. And these players are running to the same spots, leaving wide open players, uh, you know, not understanding where to be. And that's a big issue right now, Nick, because it's week two of the same system coming back. I don't know why this is happening. Maybe give credit where it's due to Drew Petzing. Maybe just, you know, Kellen moored them like they'd gotten week two last year where they just got outmatched. But I don't know the personnel. Go ahead. I don't know if it's outmatched. I think Petzing had a, a good game plan, but I think the Giants have a bunch of young guys in their secondary. I think the Giants are yeah. operating with a different overhang, which like a nickel where it's been someone different for quite a while. 
now. And they're putting a Dory Jackson in there, who's a smart player, but it's also different. You know that he screwed up in that first game, according to, I think it was Wink Martindale on his press conference. It was like, they have to do, they have to uh, switch coverage on that bunch. He got picked on the CD Lamb play in week one. So you're even going to get some mistakes from a player like that, who we typically rely on. I just think there's a lot of moving parts. We were uncertain for quite a while on who was actually going to be the starters here. And then it's like Jason Pinnock has it. Jason Pinnock looked fine on film. I would throw him into that bucket. He had the Me too. I think two missed tackles. He had the one that was, he was just flying in a little bit. Um, he had three TFLs too. Exactly. And that was also schemed up. I think that was another, True. Uh, another adjustment that Wink Martindale did was he would, because the quick game was really affecting the Giants, the Giants would put seven on the line of scrimmage and then blitz both of the guys who were outside of the end mans on the line of scrimmage. And typically it was Micah McFadden and Jason Pinnock. And, on those plays, and the one time it was Xavier McKinney, you get, what, I think two PBUs out of that and then a tackle for a loss from Jason Pinnock, maybe two tackles for a loss with that specific play. So that was a nice adjustment by Wink Martindale. I wanted to bring one other thing up because it is damn concerning. The Giants couldn't stop the freaking sale concept. The play-action yeah. sale concept. The sale concept is a three-level read where you have a vertical clear-out from the number one, then the number two is going to run a deep seven route, and then the number three, I guess you can call him, it's typically a running back leaking out of the backfield, is just going to run into the flat. And that defender typically occupies the curl flat defender. And then the number one clears out Deontay Banks or Trey Hawkins the third. And then you have no one covering to the sideline except for a safety who's trying to beeline over there. And how many times did Trey McBride or Zach Ertz have a huge playoff that? It's a sale concept. It's not reinventing the wheel. Damn, but these big tight end pass plays were shredding the Giants off play action. And the Giants are about to face a team that is number one in EPA in rushing, number one in EPA total. And they have a tight end named George Kittle who has not eaten yet this season. Scary stuff. It's not great. And I will take exception to one play, the one that they had with McBride versus Pinnock. In my opinion, watching the tape, uh, it off. looked like McBride pushed him off and it totally 100%. ruined the play. Like I think Pinnock was step for step for him and would add a PBU there. But obviously, you know, we know how things go in the NFL. The they don't call offensive pass interference a lot. They would have if Pinnock ever did that in the middle of a play, they would have called that defensive pass interference. But I think you to bring it back to something you said, you know, I think the really main point is here, Nick, we focused a lot this offseason on wow. This defense had a lot of upgrades to it. This defense should be better. Last year, this defense kept the Giants in games. Last year, this defense was great on third downs. They get, by the way, they get 40% on a conversion rate on third downs in this game against the freaking Josh Dub Cardinals. Like that was the calling card last year. Last year's defense was great in red zone. We thought there'd be so much improvement, but what we didn't maybe focus enough on, and not just us, I mean, just in general, like the fans, all of us is that there's so many new faces and that's going to lead to problems. There's two new guys, three new guys in the secondary Pinnock banks, McFadden, uh, I'm sorry, not McFadden, Pinnock banks, Hawkins, that's three new players there. Then McFadden, who, you know, is a second year player, quote unquote, didn't really start the whole year last year and is still essentially a new face. And he's having issues as well. Bobby Okereke wasn't here last year. He's now in the mix. And so there's five new guys at that second and third level that they didn't have last year. And even you could throw McKinney into that because he didn't play a lot of the season. This is almost like his first full year in this system. So the entire second and third level is just guys who haven't played a lot together in a system them that they haven't played a lot in a lot in and so that's going to lead to these problems i think early in the year i don't think it's going to stop after three days against the 49ers i don't think there's some magic pill i don't think they can look at the tape and make much changes unfortunately i think there's going to be big plays given up by this defense against the 49ers giants are gonna have to win this in a shootout type win to be honest like daniel jones is gonna have to have a heater <laughs> it's just what's gonna have to happen if they want any chance in this game um because the defense i don't have faith in right now unless we see some kind of like 
revolutionary play from somebody like Leonard Williams and Kayvon Thibodeau, who, in my opinion, didn't make much of an impact against a bad O-line. So I don't know how they do it against a good O-line. But I'll digress there, Nick, and I'll just I'll just throw that back to you. But I think an important thing to focus on is just there are five or six new faces at the second and third level. So these issues with communication and be players being out of place may, may be something that we're going to have to deal with for the first, I don't know, four to six weeks of the season. It's an important point. Like, to me, there's no way the Giants designed Micah McFadden to account for Brown on that touchdown, right? Because it was Marquise yes. Brown was aligned at running back. And if that was their their plan, then I don't think they accounted for the fact that it was Marquise Brown. Maybe it slipped underneath their guard because why would you have Micah McFadden number 41, a linebacker trying to match Marquise Brown to the flat? You saw Micah McFadden work up field through the block. And then Trey Hawkins kind of just sat there and didn't exactly know what to do. Didn't seem like he got the memo if he was supposed to push outside to take Marquise Brown. But if your plan was to have McFadden have Marquise Brown, that is just a huge advantage for the Arizona Cardinals in the red zone. Even though it's a confined tight space, Marquise Brown is one of the more explosive and quick twitched athletes. It's not necessarily Michael McFadden's game. No, not at all. And we'll get to some film review soon. Uh, obviously, we've gone a, a little longer than usual before our first clip. I'll play here. the I'll play the uh I'll play the banks while we talk, bro. These are all yeah. Deontay Banks's. Uh, plays so if anybody wants to enjoy that go right ahead and then dan and i will continue talking about other shit yeah we'll have some overlay here with with deontay banks all of his reps we're going to run that back and banks by the way was one of the only defenders i was impressed with from the giants and on, on film in this game but i thought you brought up a good point about that play and they were just i'll, I'll say this nick and we can get into some more specific stuff after this but i just feel like watching this giants run defense nick both these first two weeks i so rarely see plays from the defensive lineman making plays in the backfield from the defensive front. If anything, I'll see it from Dexter Lawrence occasionally. Most of the time, though, Lawrence is even better, at, and he's dealing with a lot of double teams. And most of the time, he's just better at like maintaining or you know defending two gaps at once, which is impressive, but it's not a TFL-type play. And then I see so much hesitation from the second-level linebackers on these run plays. There's just not a lot of aggression in their game. It seems like they're so tentative and hesitant, both O'Karake and McFadden. What are your thoughts on that, you know, not theory, but just that takeaway from me. And if you agree with it, what is the way to around it? Like, how did the Giants change this? It's spot on the hesitation and the tentativeness from Micah McFadden and Bobby O'Karake. I just think they're trying to see exactly where the hole is going to be fit. I think the Giants got a little bit creative and changed their fronts up to avoid double teams. And um, we'll go over a play, the GT counterplay, the second time they moved Dexter Lawrence to a one technique spot, had no three techniques. So there was no double teams that could be had on him with the way the Giants employed the front. So then Dexter Lawrence just closed the play side B gap by just shoving the guard who had to reach or yeah, I guess it would be kind of a reach block even though it wasn't to the play side so maybe you want to call it a down block he just shoved that guard right into the b gap to close the b gap and then uh mcfadden closed down bobby okereke scraped over the top but i think you can change your front up to avoid those double teams because if we watch that first gt counterplay, which we'll see later it was a double team on the three technique which was leonard williams double team drove leonard williams like five yards off the ball huge hole micah mcfadden had to fill basically two gaps and then it led to a huge run because the giants were minus one like we mentioned a little bit earlier so i think the giants just have to do a better job in terms of their linebackers being instinctual knowing where you have to go and knowing your rules i don't know if all of these players know their rules and what exactly they are going to do in terms of how they're going to fill. Are they going to lever, spill, lever? Are they going to spill, overlap? And I think a lot of the new faces that we have discussed 
that's maybe one reason why. And also the fact that I felt like Petsnig and a lot of teams, we also saw the Cowboys do this a little bit. They would motion because the Giants run a lot of man coverage. They would motion a condensed receiver from that side who was originally partly in the run fit away from the run, the run side of the field. And then right. what happened now you're now that guy is out and now you might be minus one again, because you're going to pull two players from the front side of the play, whether that be an H back, the backside guards usually always involved or the tackle. So I think from a run fitting standpoint, the giants are just having a lot of trouble figuring out what the hell they're doing and what rules they have to execute. And that's kind of going beyond that's more of a macro view of things that's going beyond just I'm a good football player and I can set an edge, which is also a problem for the New York giants right now. They're not anchoring down as strongly as you want, specifically with Leonard Williams on that double team. I think Dexter Lawrence has been fine. I know people are like, Oh, where's Dexter? Watching the tape, Dexter Lawrence, I don't have any problems with Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence is fine. He's a beast. Anytime he gets a one-on-one block, he makes the offense pay. It's uh, not great for, and I'll run these plays back. It's not great for the offense. So I'm not worried about Dex. I think the edges, they could do a better job setting that edge. One player I do want to talk about is O'Shane Zimenez, because I think O'Shane Zimenez had a play in this game that might have won the New York Giants the football game, and no one's really talking about it. And Dan, do you know what play I'm talking about? I do, but let's save that one for later when we get to the Not good sure. stuff. But yes, I know exactly. And, you know, what to what you said about the run, I just, I'll, we'll, we'll get to it because I don't want to spoil that either. There were some adjustments that Wig Martindale made, which were impressive. And I think, I feel like that's the way you should be playing counter type runs the entire time with backside type of penetration. Um, and we'll, and we'll get to that too. Not as we to get your point, Matt, that was the other point I wanted to, yeah. to add. The Giants aren't necessarily a defense that penetrates, right? right. Like we, we've talked about Dan Quinn's big defense. problem. Well, that's just not their structure. It's not what yeah. they do. They they align in odd right. fronts a lot where they have three guys within the tackle box who hold up, but you need defenders, not just linebackers. You need the apex defender, the nickel, if you're a nickel personnel, yes. which the Giants are in a lot, to be very good run defenders. What did you and I talk about a lot last year? And sometimes people on Twitter might give a shit. We'd be like, yeah, Darnay Holmes is, is a underrated player on this defense. Like, oh, what are you talking about? He can... Darnay Holmes is excellent in his run fits. Yep. And you need, if you're going to run these nickel personnel packages and you are abused by counter, you need that player, that apex defender, to be a good run fit player. That's what Darnay Holmes was. I think of Dory Jackson, he's also good in run fits, but he's much better when he's on the outside, because he's like 190 pounds, and he doesn't have that same frame as Darnay Holmes, who is a similar weight, but also like three or four inches shorter and just more compact and a little bit stronger. So I think the Giants might be missing that element. Let's go back even further than Darnay Holmes, Dan. Remember Grant Haley? Yeah. Terrible, terrible in coverage. Great run fit defender. Excellent run fit defender who would scream downhill and be able to fill and was not a liability out there. Right now, I'm not saying the Giants have a liability in terms of their nickel, but you need that player to be aggressive if you're going to account for him in the run. And I think the Giants missed Darnay Holmes a little bit just because of that. It's just coverage has always kind of been an issue for that one. Yep, without a doubt. And let's get into some stats real quick, some interesting stats before and notes before we get into some play breakdowns here. Um, so for starters, I mentioned this earlier, the Giants allowed a 40% third down conversion rate. That's way too high in this matchup. They played press coverage 46.4% of the time, which I felt like was in line with what I expected. You know, don't give them too much confidence. You know, don't, don't play off against a team like this. I can't throw over the top. They had just two pass breakups the entire game. That's compared to six for the Arizona Cardinals defense. The Giants also had 12 missed tackles on defense. That's a number that's too high. Zero sacks for the Giants defense. The one positive is the Giants didn't allow a single play of 25 plus yards. They allowed several in the 15 to 24 range, but not 25 plus yards. 
Giants had a total pass expected points added EPA of minus 11.64. The Arizona Cardinals pass defense did better, and that includes the second half where the Giants had their way with the Arizona Cardinals pass defense. So just a really poor pass defense performance. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons, and one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform, and it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. This is Dan Schneier, the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, 
The show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business, and they're raising another round right now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. If you would like to be a part of the Blue Wire investment round or you want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash Blue Wire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the GameTime app. The GameTime app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games, having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the GameTime app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the GameTime app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view. Not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get an event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B A N T E R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER, B A N T E R, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your day. Look, when I'm hungry and I want to munch on something, whether the Giants are winning or losing, I always go with pizza. And Caesars is my go-to choice. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. It could be sausage, pepperoni, you can combine toppings, you can get creative with whatever type of pie you want from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. 
Rush defense EPA wasn't as bad though. It was minus point uh, five three. So I think the you know the, the the Giants actually you know despite not looking great on film against the run. They they didn't give up too many big plays there. The Giants played with a three down front 15% of the time, with a four down front 20% of the time. They played 60% nickel. They played 5% quarter and 0% dime. All these numbers according to True Media. Uh, you can find stats and more from, from True Media. And then man coverage 36.7% of the time, zone 58.3. So any thoughts on any of that before we get into some film breakdown? I want to talk about just a couple other things that yeah. kind of pertain to this, but also it's projecting forward because we have discussed Mike McFadden at length right now so far. Since that rumor that you alluded to before that maybe there's going to be changes. I don't know. I, I, first off, I kind of agree. I think the Giants might do that. I know Mike McFadden was on the injury report, I think, with the neck. At least that's what I heard Brian Dable say in his presser, but he's going to be fine. Isaiah Simmons, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe Isaiah Simmons has played on a first down yet. I think no, every right. I think every down that he's been out there was second and seven plus or third down and six plus. And as bad as Michael McFadden might have looked in this game with the missed tackles and a couple mental mishaps, I don't know how much better Isaiah Simmons is going to be in terms of fitting the run. And I wanted to get your opinion on that because I know that's probably unpopular. So I'll start by saying this. The speculation I think was born from uh shout out to uh Giants fan in Charlotte, and I almost did Connecticut again, but I don't make that mistake anymore. <laughs> Shout out Giants fan in Charlotte, Rick, who say, who like pulled from a Bob Papa, uh, Carl Banks podcast where Bob Papa basically mentioned that he thinks those kind of changes we saw on offense could happen on defense for this week three game. So that's kind of where it's bred from. And then it's just speculation as to what changes will be made. Uh, to me, there's multiple changes that could be made. McFadden for Simmons, I think you can take Jihad Ward off the field almost entirely at this point. I don't really see the value of Jihad Ward too much. And he did have some better plays in the second half as far as like stonewalling, fitting the run and setting the edge. But the first half for Jihad Ward to me was just really bad, um, especially considering that he offers nothing as a pass rusher. And for him to lose the reps he lost in the run game in the first half to those offensive linemen, man, was troubling for me. Um, given what he's supposed to be. But I think those are potentially two changes. Maybe Boogie Basham starts to play more for Ward and Simmons for McFadden. I think to answer your question, Nick, I think we'll have similar issues against the run with Simmons in the game. But I just think that he can't possibly be worse against the pass than McFadden is. To no, me, McFadden is as bad as it gets against the pass. He's slow to react. He doesn't really have foot speed. He doesn't have long arms to get into pass lanes. He can't really offer anything as a pass rusher. He's bad in all matchups in the pass. He's shooting out to flats when he shouldn't be. He's moving in directions he shouldn't be. And O'Karake is telling him to go over here. There's tons of just weird communication. Uh, not communication, just I guess missed assignments. I don't know what, or just like, he doesn't know what he's doing out there type plays with McFadden right now. And that's not to say Simmons won't do the same Nick. Cause I think part of the reason he's hasn't played that many snaps is because the giants are like, wow, he just got to the team. We can't really just put him out there for a million snaps. But like, I also think at the same time, Nick, his overall athleticism might just make up for it in some spots where it just simply doesn't for McFadden. And I know like some people are like the, the play where Josh Dobbs had the 20 yard rushing TD McFadden's rushing over to carry the, 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 the guy who's on the cross or the drag when banks is in man coverage against him, which I don't even know why he's doing that. Then he runs into banks. Then he notices Dobbs is taking off and he tries to recover. And like some people thought it was good speed by McFadden, dude. I did not think that I thought he had short and choppy is, steps. This is one of the plays where, that's okay because on that play and i don't have it in front of me but i believe i have it in my in my video log we'll get it to it then there was a fiddle technique we've been talking a lot about fiddle techniques giants use it their man coverage team 
where Okereke and Michael McFadden were taking the running back. The running back got swallowed up and the uh, and Bobby Okereke met the running back in the hole and kind of abandoned exactly what he was doing. But you could see both of the, both the linebackers just look at that running back. I think it might've been James Conner. And then McFadden got distracted and had to avoid Deontay Banks's uh, drag route. But Okereke got sucked in so far that no one was in contain on Josh Dobbs. And Josh Dobbs saw Okereke come up to the line of scrimmage, and then he just took it. And then McFadden had to overlap and be like, oh, crap. And I actually didn't think it was terrible speed from McFadden on that play. But to your point, some of the worst plays from McFadden in this game were to the sideline trying to make tackles. Yes, he's elongating the, the, the rushing attempt, but he's not athletic enough to get out there and make the tackle. And those were a lot of his missed tackles in this game. Yes. It's not in the tackle box. But Isaiah Simmons, that's not going to be an issue. Isaiah Simmons is going to get out there. So what's the problem? Why are we even having this discussion? Micah McFadden in the tackle box is a wrecking ball, and he's very physical coming downhill, taking on those pullers. Isaiah Simmons, not as much. And that's where I think the issue is. Because in terms right. of mental, if you were to ask me before this game, I would have said Micah McFadden from the little bit that we've seen, not including last year because it was a mess, it had improved. This game kind of uh, makes me feel like that's no longer the case. Because going through Arizona Cardinal tape, watching Isaiah Simmons, he's not there mentally. He's not. And that's in a defense that he was in for a while. But it's also, mm -hmm. you want to play devil's advocate because, uh, because Isaiah Simmons was a player who had so many different roles and never really got comfortable in one of them while he was an Arizona Cardinal. So I would love to see more Isaiah Simmons. Definitely more of an upside guy but I don't know if he's going to rectify how the Giants are currently playing the run unless the Giants tweak something to try to just use his ability to penetrate gaps and get TFLs. But in terms of just fitting, I'm not quite there yet. No, I'm not there at all. I think you're spot on there, and I don't think we're going to see improvement there. As far as the like athleticism, though, and what, what I was talking about like on pass plays or quarterback scrambles, like I, I just will just agree to disagree on, on that play with McFadden. Like I'm fine with like his recoverability there, but to me, it just looked like short choppy steps. And he, in my opinion, had an angle on Dobbs. And in my opinion, that's like the point I was trying to make is if Simmons is on the field, instead of McFadden there, I think Simmons tracks down Dobbs and makes the tackle I, yes. there. Yes. And I then, agree with first, then, then they might be able to hold him to a field goal, but McFadden, great effort. Good job. But he has short choppy steps and he's not like that fast in my mind when I watch him on film. So I, I, I just, I'm at my point with McFadden where I, I get why he's out there because they don't feel comfortable with Simmons yet, but if he's going to make all those mental errors, it just doesn't seem like there's enough upside to having him out there, but we'll get to more of that as well. What, in if, the what if one of the changes comes from the practice squad? That'd be interesting. I mean, because essentially not, that's what they did with McKethan, right? Like McKethan didn't take any real reps at all. And then just exactly. Started. And we're just looking at two players. Why don't we expand outside of that? It doesn't have to be just Simmons and McFadden. Yeah. There are other options that the Giants could look to, i.e. Darian Beavers. We know it would have been Gerard Davis if he didn't get a hurt. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Giants go out and add a linebacker. Think about what they did early last season. Yes, I get the roster was in a different spot, different part of the regime for Brian Dable, Joe Shane just taking over, but they were adding players. And those sure. players ended up starting and playing important roles for the Giants. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happens either. Yeah. All right, let's get to the film review. We're 30 minutes in. We haven't done any of the, in the film, so we want to try, try to tighten up for everybody. But where do you want to start, Nick? What was the first play you wanted to break down here? And I got yeah, some gonna, plays later we can get to. Yeah, Dan, let's start with this excellent play action cover three beater designed by the Arizona Cardinals that honestly should have went for a touchdown if Josh Dobbs put a little bit more touch on the football. First quarter, second and six, 12-27 left. You could see the Giants. 
They're in cover three. You have Deontay Banks at the top of the screen, high and over the top of Marquise Brown. And look at what the Cardinals are going to do with the tight end. This is two tight ends on the same side, which is the boundary side of the wide tight end is going to release and run an out work into the blind spot of the defender right here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see, I think that's Xavier McKinney and then just go up. And the number one receiver, Marquise Brown, is going to remove the deep third defender. That is Deontay Banks. So who the hell is carrying the out and up from Zach Ertz, a 33-year-old tight end who is older than basically both of us, still playing in the NFL? No one. That's the answer. No one. And if this ball was thrown a little bit better, I don't know if the Giants win this football game. This was on the first drive. Right. You don't get any points out of this. It's a missed field goal. And you could see how the Giants and their cover three defense got shredded on this play, but all throughout the game, quick game just shredded the New York Giants as well. And Giants are back. Very, lucky. very lucky this wasn't completed. Yeah, I mean, this is a touchdown for 90% of NFL quarterbacks. Giants got very lucky on this, but roll it back real quick to and take a look at that second level. What What's going on between Okereke and McFadden here? Yeah, Okereke and McFadden, this is just play action, so they have to respect the run, their run-first defender. So they're, they're going to step to the run. They realize it's play action. McFadden's just roboting right here. He's rolling over and looking back for any kind of crossing routes. There's nothing. And then he gets too close to Okereke, so Okereke is telling him to expand outside. This is the boundary side of the field. Neither Okereke and McFadden are even to the other half of the field right now, but the entire play concept, because this is a sale concept, is to that half of the field. Exactly. Yeah. So no one is accounting for even James Conner in the flat, except for Xavier McKinney. And that's kind of the conflict defender there. Xavier McKinney is the curl flat defender. He's looking at James Conner and he's going away from the tight end at this point. So you have two defenders who are somewhat in conflict. This is why it's such a great game by Petsing. James Conner in the flat with the tight end. And then you also have Deontay Banks getting his zone flushed. This isn't an issue on Deontay Banks. I don't think you have a safety. Yeah, you have a safety in the middle of the field. So maybe you can make the argument that Deontay Banks needs to see the tight end quicker come off. He comes off a little bit late once the ball is thrown. But again, this is a rookie. I'm not going to sit here and just rail against him for, for not being in perfect position. I just think it's a really well-schemed play against yeah. a defense that the Giants run quite often. I guess my question for you then, Nick, is, you know, it looks to me, to the naked eye, that there's just three wasted Giants defenders on this play. The two linebackers, and then I guess it's Dory Jackson over there. I'm not sure who there might be. Tra- yeah, it looks like a Dory Jackson. Um, That's just good play design. But, like, I'm just not sure why the play calls for like a robot technique as you broke it down for McFadden when they have those two other guys on that side of the field. There's not really anyone who could leak out on that drag except for the tight end who's obviously staying in the block. Do you need three defenders over there? Like it just seems like a total waste when they could have McFadden expand to the right in my mind. Like this is just a, you know, I'm trying to get your opinion on this. They could have McFadden expand his coverage to the right. And then you can have Deontay Banks not have to worry about that, you know, James Conner route and drop into coverage. It just seems like, I just don't understand why you have three defenders over there, I guess, on this play. It's good scheming. Like you said, this, he would be the middle hook defender. Michael McFadden, and he's worried okay. about Zach Ertz possibly running a post. He doesn't know that Zach Ertz is going on the flag. So you can see him check. Sure. Ertz isn't doing that. And at that point, James Conner's already at the numbers. So Michael McFadden's zone here would be between the hash and the numbers, with Bobby Okereke being more towards the middle of the field. And I would okay. say, yeah, he could shade a little bit more towards the numbers. I think he's a little bit too far inside, but that's a little bit inconsequential when you look at the grand scheme of the play. Sure. So that, that's where I'm at with it personally. I'm, maybe there's somebody else with a different opinion. 
for me, it's just you look at the route concept was designed to attack Deontay Banks, and that's not Deontay Banks' fault. It was just, again, good uh, a good play call against this coverage. Yep, and Giants got very lucky, as Nick mentioned here, because it went incomplete. Let's take a look at this next play now. Yeah, this is the uh, this is a, a bad mistake by Micah McFadden. This is the first play of the second drive, first and 10. Defense is just not on the same page. And I also want to look at... um. Kayvon Thibodeau, just because this is going to be a negative podcast a little bit with Kayvon Thibodeau, a lot of negativity. Watch him set this edge. If this was a handoff, he pushes homeboy mm-hmm. back. That is really good by Kayvon Thibodeau. But this is the miscommunication. Jihad Ward and Micah McFadden need to be on the same page. And I'm going to blame Micah McFadden for this one. Jihad Ward is just going right for the mesh point. That's a coaching point. It's not just him being like, hey, I'm going to do this. It's a coaching point. You go to the mesh point and the linebacker loops around and he replaces you and he becomes that force contained defender. Watch him fly over to the mesh point. You're not going to have Trey Hawkins be the primary force defender because he has to worry about a tight end out there and he's a cornerback. So Micah McFadden, for some reason, steps to the inside where the Giants have all of these bodies as we see and doesn't replace around to ensure that Josh Dobbs doesn't do this. This is on Micah McFadden. Again, Micah McFadden did not have a good football game here. Saw him make a couple good plays, thought he did. He did not have a good football game here. And you could see uh, this is just one of the mental mistakes that we were referring to. And this isn't even in regards to coverage. And you can watch Micah McFadden. He gets all pissed off, touches his helmet. He says the F word more than likely. We'll see it from this angle as well. So you can see Jihad Ward does a great job just crashing the mesh point, crash the mesh point, force the tuck. Now you're going to have Micah McFadden unblocked right in the face of Josh Dobbs. That's the design of the play. Doesn't happen because Micah McFadden doesn't execute his assignment. And again, you're going to see how pissed off he is. See? And that's that's a 30-plus play because of the 15-yard penalty that wouldn't have happened if McFadden executed his assignment there. So just really disappointing there. Exactly. And this is just an absolute dart, bro. This is a beautiful throw by Josh Dobbs outside the numbers from the far hash, a third and seven with eight twenty four yeah. left in the first quarter to player. I really like Michael Wilson, who pay attention to the route, Dan, you love studying, evaluating wide receivers. Look at this route by Michael Wilson. Oh, yeah. Pretty filthy. It's pretty filthy. It's very subtle, right? But watch where he starts. He's about what? Three yards outside of the hash leans in towards the hash, takes one step up, leans in towards the hash, hard step. And then he catches Jason Pinnock just at the right moment where Pinnock slips a little bit out of his break. You can see how he slipped a little bit out of his yep. break. Ball is right in stride. I wanted to highlight that throw, but uh, this isn't great work by Kayvon Thibodeau on this play. And I'm wondering, and I was hoping that it's because he has to account for for this tight end and coverage, but Trey Hawkins, the third, is right behind him. Right. And I think there were plays where it was Kayvon Thibodeau against the tight end, and he was kind of not going 100% with his rush because he was worrying about the tight end leaking out because the Giants were playing at a certain depth. This play is not that, though. Giants have two defenders outside the hash to account for that running back and that tight end if they were to leak out. And Kayvon Thibodeau just gets absolutely locked up. I think that's 87. Is that Swaim or is that Zach Ertz? I'm not 100% sure, but either way, it's a tight end. So that's just not a great look for the Giants and just... um. I don't know. I get worried, Dan. The rest of the pass rush for me, Nick. I mean, it's a third and long situation, an obvious passing down. They have absolutely no pass rush here against a bad O-line. Like, this happened throughout the game, third and seven, third and 11, a third and 10. Like, that's what worries me. It's Thibodeau for sure, but it's everyone on this line for me. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a seven-man protection, to be fair. And you True. have two guys on Dexter Lawrence, but you don't, you're not winning your one-on-ones. I think I probably have the end zone angle here. Ashawn Robinson, you're not winning your one-on-one. Kayvon Thibodeau, you're not winning your one-on-one against a freaking tight end. You have O'Shane Zimenez on the other side drawing two. He's 
you know, not the best pass rusher to begin with. And Josh Dobbs has all day to throw the football and places that just perfect. That is just a great throw in a bucket right to Michael Wilson in this coverage, man. And, and maybe that's just, what we need to see more of Nick, by the way, like you just mentioned it. this is a four man pass rush against a seven man protection. Maybe what we need to see more of to try to just change things up, rattle a quarterback, disrupt things is more blitzes because we haven't seen as many blitzes from Wink Barndale as we expected to get. And, you know, as his reputation says we would get by this point. And in this game, I was surprised by it. You're getting Josh Dobbs. What has he done against these like rookie type quarterbacks? And he's not a rookie Josh Dobbs. He essentially is. He has no starts under his belt, really. He's pressured them. He's dictated to them. Instead, here he's dropping seven, and somehow, you know, a, the Cardinals barely have anybody running routes here, and they're able to get a big completion down the field. So many wasted Giants defenders is dropping in coverage here. Exactly. And I want to highlight one more thing about this play and kind of look forward to the 49ers. And you are right. We saw Wink Martindale do this against Trevor Lawrence last year, for instance. I'm wondering if it has something to do with wink martindale being concerned with how he's fit in the run but i don't yeah. know like the, the primary blitzes that the giants used was like i said before seven man front just bring pinnock bring mcfadden off the edge create a five-man rush i think he only blitzed like 14 percent of the time in this game which is wildly low for him yeah blitzing typically at like a 30 to 35 percent rate but i want to highlight isaiah simmons here third and seven isaiah simmons is going to be out there what is isaiah simmons doing he is looking directly at 31 and he is just mirroring 31. Isaiah Simmons' role is going to have a big role in this 49ers game. Oh, yeah. He's going to, be to shadow Christian McCaffrey. And he's going to be doing this the entire time. And I, I'm worried about it a little bit. Of course. If, any, if anybody can cover McCaffrey on this team, it's going to be Simmons. But shit, man, like that dude is just unreal watching his highlights in the season that he's already had. I think McKinney would obviously have, would actually, I just shouldn't say obviously, would actually have the best chance at that. But I also don't think they can afford to use McKinney in that role. So they're basically set having to do this with, you know, rely on Simmons. But that could also, by the way, lead to more snaps for Simmons right away in this game. Just the fact that they're playing up, matching up against a Christian McCaffrey type, you know, and you, can't have, McFadden, you can't have McFadden on, on either of those two. And George just, Kittle. Yeah. And yeah. that might be the reason why the Giants make that change. Right. I don't love either of the options. And George Kittle, he's quite familiar with Isaiah Simmons. And I'm pretty sure George Kittle has won that matchup almost every single time. Mm -hmm. So it, it's still, it's anything's better than McFadden at this point in terms of coverage. I like this, this play call just because it's different. It's a first and 10. Yep. And Wink Martindale came out with a cover zero. But watch what he does with these defensive linemen. Because at this point of the game, it's the first quarter. It's 122 left in the first quarter. The Giants have been eaten up, Dan, by quick game, the entire game. So in order to combat that, the Giants come out. The Cardinals are in empty. The Giants respond by running a covered zero look. Like, you're not really throwing too deep on us. And if you do, it's always towards the sideline on that sale concept. So we're going to try to bait you into throwing a stick route mm -hmm. in empty to this tight end. And you can see both Dexter Lawrence and Ashawn Robinson drop off and sink underneath to cut off any of those inside breaking routes. But... The Cardinals were throwing outside the numbers quite often for Josh Dobbs, which is surprising. The Giants still didn't get yeah. a takeaway. But the Cardinals just try running their number three receiver on a quick little flat route and having two blockers stalk block for him. But it ends up going incomplete because Micah McFadden and uh, Dexter Lawrence, I think it is, or maybe it's Leonard Williams, get pressure on him. Micah McFadden gets a nice hit. But this is a well-designed play, and you can see how the Giants have a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage. they got six guys on the line of scrimmage against five blockers. Will Hernandez is definitely not athletic enough to close down that A-gap, <laughs> and Micah McFadden gets a hit on the quarterback. 
It's also one of those plays where Giants are lucky they were facing Josh Jobs and not Aaron Rodgers because I could totally see a flag for a low hit there other than otherwise. Oh, dude, right? Yeah, that's a very good point. All right, now let's get to the uh, touchdown run by Josh Dobbs, 15 minutes left in the second quarter. So first play of the second quarter. And I've kind of broke this down before. Watch both Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden watching it from the end zone angle. It's play action. Both of their eyes go to Connor. Watch Micah McFadden take the step, realizes it is play action, not a run. And then he comes off and goes into zone coverage. And let's see those short, choppy steps. I actually think he does cover ground okay here, Dan. I, I do. I, I don't think I it's don't terrible. Think Josh Jobs is that fast, though. That's like my thing. This is not Lamar Jackson. So I put in the tweet like, Josh Jobs is a, is a solid athlete, dude, but he's not that fat. Like, I just think Simmons is closing this gap. That's just straight up where I'm going to stay with this. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I absolutely agree with that. But for Micah McFadden, I actually don't. For him, it's good. It's yeah, terrible. fine. I'm okay yeah. with that being okay for him. But like, look at where the play ends up touchdown. I know, I know. Well outside the hash there, and Dobbs takes off just outside the opposite hash, and you have to cover some ground. And I got to say this too, dude. What the hell is up with Josh Dobbs lowering his shoulder on Xavier McKinney and barreling him over? And I'm not like saying that to knock Xavier McKinney. You have Josh Dobbs running at you probably at like, what, 18 miles per hour or whatever it is. I could probably look at it up. Most. Yeah. At most. I just checked too, Danny. He clocked in at 18.7 miles per hour. I'm imagining that's probably when he has that full head of speed. And he like right around now, if you're watching on YouTube, and then he kind of has to like juke a little bit and get slowed up by McFadden and then runs through Xavier McKinney for a touchdown. But either way, it's uh it's not a good look for the Giants defense. You run I think Mc- McKinney just to defend him a little bit. I think he's just going for the football there and trying to make a huge play on a turnover from a quarterback. Yeah. You know, he assumes it's an easier player to rip the ball out of. I'm kind of okay with that gamble. I know a lot of people were angry at this, but like to me, it's like if if McKinney breaks down and tackles him, it's going to be first and goal at the one or two, and they're probably going to score anyway. If he rips the ball out of a quarterback's hand, knowing that the chances of it happening are higher against a quarterback than a running back or receiver, the whole game, you know, it's a game changing play. So I actually like this by McKinney, but I agree. Aesthetically, it's not pleasing (laughs) because you're watching Josh Dobbs at 100, whatever, 80, 90 pounds. Maybe he's over 200 because he's decently tall uh run over Xavier McKinney I think that's an excellent astute point but it did remind me of a a play I think it was Xavier McKinney who got ran over at the goal line by an Auburn back when he was in college and everybody like lost their mind over it I'm gonna look I'm gonna look this up afterwards I I think that happened and I didn't really mind it at all it probably was a similar type of play where he because you know Xavier McKinney's always going for the football and it worked out for the Giants earlier last season but yeah no uh not a great look but I think you're spot on with your analysis so this is early in the third quarter. We're going to get another GH counter run. And Dexter Lawrence blows this up. We talked about how the Giants didn't get a lot of vertical uh, vertical releases, I guess you can call them, from the defenders. Dexter Lawrence blows this counter play up by basically running through, I think that's Will Hernandez, and presenting his chest right to James Conner as, as he gets the rock and forces James Conner off the spot where Jason Pinnock is blitzing off the edge. And this is one of those plays that I was discussing before where the Giants have seven guys near the line of scrimmage, blitz Micah McFadden. Micah McFadden takes the kickout block. Jason Pinnock comes in from the backside, and then Dexter Lawrence just winning his one-on-one up front. This is one way that you can blow counter runs up is just win your one-on-one up front and then either clog up the pullers, which Dexter Lawrence doesn't even really do here. I guess he does with the uh, the second puller, but also just get in the way of James Conner and force him to not hit the desired hole. Exactly. And they made good adjustments to try to stop counter in the second half, obviously. And some of them worked better than others. Uh, what's the play you're getting to here? This first and 10 with 1042. 
Yeah, this is just a uh, outside zone play where Micah McFadden. This is probably my worst Micah McFadden play. Oh, I, I, I remember this play up. with Hernandez versus McFadden. This was bad. Well, it's not even just Hernandez versus McFadden. It's just you got to flow outside, man. You're a boundary side yeah. defender. You got to get outside here. Contain, and he goes you have back inside right there. He goes back inside, and there's no one to contain. You have no one outside. You have you have Boogie Basham, I think that is, or is Jihad Ward. He sets the edge, but then that's what his job is to contain, to box James Conner inside. Now you need that linebacker to overflow wow. yep. so you don't just have a cornerback to be the force defender with a wide receiver blocking him. But for whatever reason, Michael McFadden bounces back inside, which doesn't make any sense because you have Bobby Okereke coming into a coming into a scrape over the top right. as the uh, overlap defender. So you need to be that defender who gets outside. And this is probably my worst play from a mental standpoint because, yes, Will Hernandez gets a piece of you, but he consciously went back inside here to avoid Hernandez. And you don't have the type of speed. Like, what kind of athlete do you think you are? Right, you're gonna, right. You're not going to undercut Hernandez. Hernandez, get around and make the play in time. Yeah, it's just from a, from a run-fitting standpoint, things like that make me, be, like, give me a little bit more of a credence to the idea of Isaiah Simmons. I just think yeah. from what I've seen from a run fit standpoint, Isaiah Simmons also has a lot of issues for sure. So now we're getting to a play here. First and 10 with 8.51 to go in the fourth quarter. Why'd you pick this one, Nick? Yeah, Dan, the Giants sucked at covering sale the entire game. We brought that up. But for whatever reason, out of a cover zero look, they defend sale very well. <laughs> and Dexter Lawrence does a great job getting pressure on Josh Dobbs. Like, look at this coverage. There's no deep safety. Right. Jason Pinnock, he just flies down and he's like, okay, I'm going to attach onto 86 who's releasing into the flat. So who's the safety? Nobody. You have Xavier McKinney who's down on the box to the uh, boundary side of the field. I think that is, and he's not taking a deep. He's just looking for crossing routes, but it's a sale concept. Once again, and the giants are in man coverage locked up on each of these defenders very well. And I love how Deontay banks puts himself back into phase on this tight end tight end beats him to the inside. Watch Deontay banks just quick, man. That's one thing about banks. He might not have one. He might not have won every single rep, but then the, the kid's just always in position. Yes. The, the, kid, the kid, his recovery, and it's one of the reasons why we loved him on this podcast coming out of college when he was at Maryland, his recovery speed is insane. He's so twitched up. If you're beat and you're a cornerback, if you don't have the speed to, to get back into phase, you're screwed. But this kid has yep. the speed and the recognition. He's so damn quick and smooth doing it. And he just works underneath. And I know he's going up against tight end, but still, man, like he did that all game. There were a couple of like slants that he defended. If you were watching a little bit before where the, I think it was Marquise Brown would just go inside and then like that, he's just on the hip yeah. all from like an off leverage spot too, not even from press. So always from off leverage spots, he's somehow finding a way to recover. I think that's the trait we can harp on is just what's already carried over to two games, of the NFL from the college level. It's that recoverability. And it was something, it was the trait we were most excited about, but it doesn't always work like that. Like sometimes these NFL players don't translate from college to pros. We saw it with Deandre Baker, his speed did not translate. Um, but Banks early signs look like his speed is translating. I was incredibly impressed with the film from Banks as far as just relative to the rest of the Giants defense in this game. Yeah. Banks, Lawrence, Hawkins, some degree to some degree McKinney to some degree Pinnock. That's kind of where I was at with this film as far as what impressed me. Those five. Uh, I don't know if anyone else you felt like belonged on that list. Well, Hawkins only played like what thirty something snaps. Like he wasn't out there all that yeah. much. But he had one really good play, that textbook coverage play uh, along the sideline, which we'll, we could throw up at the end. I just thought like he played that really well. Will Hernandez getting beat by his old teammate. And uh, real quick too, Dan, before we get to some other plays, I, I want to kind of go over the the GT counterplay and the adjustment that the Giants made. And I th think Pets, Petsing made a really good uh, adjustment to, to go to GT to catch the Giants off guard from the formation that they used. I'll bring it up here if anybody wants. This is at the beginning 
of of the second half, the Arizona Cardinals come out in a three by one nub look. So to the right of the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, there's three receivers and you have a nub. A nub tight end is at a tight end that is attached to the line of scrimmage. So your traditional Y tight end. So what Petsing and the Arizona Cardinals did here by aligning three by one, Bobby Okereke is going to kind of split the difference between the number three and the tackle. And he's going to be weary of that bubble pass to, I think it was Marquise Brown. So he's not going to be included in this run fit. So if you look to the left of the center, you have four defenders to the run fit. You have three blockers, including a tight end. But by pulling the backside guard and the backside tackle, you create two more gaps to the front side of the play. So now the Giants are minus one to the front side of the play. And this ends up being a over a 20, I think a 22-yard run by James Conner. And it's just one of those things where it's like, damn, that's a really good adjustment. The Giants have been getting their asses kicked by counter all game. So let's run counter out of a trio look is what we call that. I know a lot of other people call it trips, but three wide receivers to the field side with the nub, run it towards the nub. And now you have that tight end on that side to create the extra gap with two pullers. And this is one knock on Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the many from this game. One reason why they had Bobby Okereke accounting for that number three was because they blitzed Jason Pinnock off of the, the field side. Kayvon Thibodeau, since the guard and tackle are pulling, was unblocked. Why does Kayvon Thibodeau just stop here? Yeah. Why doesn't he crash down and account for James Conner? You have a defender in Jason Pinnock who's right next to you to account for Josh Dobbs. You're not that contained defender. You're not that forced defender on this play. He should have just kept going and attacked James Conner, but instead he stops, plays that the could, zone. That lead. should be a TFL, honestly, from Thibodeau. It should be a huge play for the New York Giants. It's well-schemed by the New York Giants if this play were to run, but it's also well-schemed by the Arizona Cardinals because Thibodeau ends up screwing this up, and now you have plus, or might well, for the offense, you have plus one. And Micah McFadden tries to undercut and work around, but then he presents that huge hole, and Bobby Okereke isn't there to overlap. And Leonard Williams, he's the three technique. That double team can now just obliterate you if you have a three technique to that side, and that's exactly what happens. So it's just well-schemed by Arizona, but the Giants actually had a play call to defend against it, and Thibodeau just did not execute. But a little bit later on and in the I'll game... And I'll say this before we move on to the next yeah. play, because I do think that the biggest culprit there is to cave on Thibodeau. He needs to crash down hard and make a TFL there. But, you know, watching what I just saw even there on that replay, Nick, with Leonard Williams, like, it's a tough spot. You're getting double team, but this never happens to Dexter Lawrence. You never see Dexter Lawrence get pushed that far off the ball. You just don't see these clips of that almost ever. I can't remember any. And this dude, Leonard Williams, is getting paid $33 million against the cap. Like, he has to be more than, than, than that. He can't be the guy that has reps like this. I get it. It's a double team. This is the furthest from concerns. I had concerns. There was some run plays where Will Hernandez just blocked him, like, straight up, like, one-on-one. -on -one. Like, But this is $33 million. I'm starting to have a lot of trouble with them bringing him back if he's going to play like this. Like, that can't be the reason he was brought back. He has to be, they, they had to bring him back with the idea in mind that he can be a difference maker on this defense this year. So far, he hasn't been a difference maker. He's been just another guy. And it's, it's really troublesome to me watching Leonard Williams. Cause I don't know if there's any injuries to report. It doesn't seem like it. He was supposed to come back healthy. He's still pretty young. I just don't know what they're getting out of him at this point. It was a really bad look that one play kind of the whole game. It was just a ghost for most of it, but here's the adjustment from Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale is going to come out. It's that same exact formation. You have the nub. You have the three receivers to the field side. Bobby Okereke is not respecting 
the the third receiver now because the Giants are responding. It's not on this clip. But the Giants are responding by putting Deontay Banks in press. Giants ran press coverage, what, 46% of the time in this game, yep. I think you said? So Deontay Banks has him. So once Bobby Okereke reads the backside guard and the backside tackle pull, it's GT counter, he just overlaps so strongly. He gets a little picked up there. And Micah McFadden reacts by just shooting down. The Giants were anticipating this play yep. call again, and they filled much better. And there's no three technique. So you have a bubble over that B gap. There's a natural bubble there. No three technique. You have a one shade, almost shaded towards a nose, but a one shade with Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence is going to get down blocked by the guard. Dexter Lawrence sees the guard to the backside pole. And what does Dexter Lawrence do? Close the B gap, just shoves that guard into the B gap, makes the tackle for a loss or the tackle at the line of scrimmage. But I just appreciated that the Giants adjusted to this specific look that was employed by the Arizona Cardinals so effectively earlier in the game. And this ended up being a kind of a big play. Yeah, it was a great play by the Giants defense. There were some positives that started to, you know, show themselves. There's a play that Bobby Okereke blew up in the backfield later in the game. Those last four possessions were good for sure for the Giants run defense, especially relative to the rest of them. But even in those, man, I felt like there were some moments that were at best. And some of the pass rushes in this game were really surprising. Nick, do you have any other clips you wanted to get to? If not, I have a few I just want to throw up real quick. You want to throw up? Oh, man, that's unfortunate. But man, yeah, I don't want to throw, throw up. them up. All right, Nick. So I want to look at this second and one play. And I just want to start from the top. I mean, it's second and one. Arizona Cardinals. You have to be. Everyone in the house knows this is a run play. This is the most obvious run play. When I watch the Giants try to run in these second and one spots, they maybe get a yard or two. They get the first down a lot, but it's always one to two yards. Giants give up six yards on this play. And I'll run it in a second, man. But you've got a one-on-one block here with Will Hernandez against Leonard Williams. And Leonard Williams ends up on the ground. You have Dexter Lawrence, who they looks like they start to pretend like they're double teaming, but they don't. And he gets a little bit displaced. You have Kayvon Thibodeau. These are the people I want to focus on here. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau, who I, you know, we talked about this before the pod, maybe should be crashing down hard on this. But as we run this play through, like you're just going to see things that I just don't think should show up on a second and one in an obvious rundown, like Leonard Williams losing that rep there to Will Hernandez ending up on the ground. We have Dexter Lawrence getting displaced out of the play. We have Kayvon Thibodeau a little bit hesitant here, not crashing down to make the play here uh, on drive down on the line of scrimmage. And it just all leads to this, a six-yard gain on a second and one. And to me, against an obvious team like this, the Cardinals, that's just completely unacceptable. All right, Nick, and maybe I'll finish with a positive, which could be that uh, Trey Hawkins pass coverage rep, which I felt like he ran the route for the receiver. That was good. But we'll do one more negative first. This is a third and 11 spot for the Giants. Big spot here. You should be able to get off the field in third and 11 against Josh Dobbs here. I'm just so curious to get your take on what's going on with Kayvon Thibodeau here. So let's focus on number five here, Kayvon Thibodeau, on this play. We'll run it through real quick. Josh Dobbs has a lot of time, third and 11 here. I'm just so curious to back this up a little bit. Why Kayvon Thibodeau is not just looping around and going straight at the quarterback. If he does go straight at the quarterback here, Nick, this is never completed. Like this is legitimately going to be a hit or he gets in the passing lane, bats the pass. No chance for this to be completed here for the first down. It is a punt situation for the Cardinals here. Um, Instead, we get this and just, I don't really understand why Thibodeau is so hesitant coming around here on this loop to just, and this might be to what you were talking about before, Nick, where like we don't totally know his responsibility on these plays. No, we, we don't totally know that his responsibility. I think that's really important to note. It looks to me like he's about to jump. He stops like he's going to jump. Maybe he thought, the Dobbs pump fake or or just give a little Let's shimmy, a show a little sauce to, to cave on there to kind of hold him up? Not might have really. been accidental. Yeah. No, it didn't really. 
didn't really appear like it, but lack of decisiveness on that play. I mean, I think that is why Kayvon Thibodeau was scheme. This is a ET or TE stunt twist with Leonard Williams going through the B gap, opening up, and then you have the linebacker coming in to take away the pass protector. That's a free rush for Kayvon Thibodeau, schemed for Kayvon Thibodeau, and he just was a little bit hesitant shooting the gap, it looked like. And how about Isaiah Simmons? Because this is not a good rep from 19 either, dude. He's tasked with a one-on-one against a running back, a short, small, third-down running back. Look at Isaiah Simmons on this one, man. And I think he's more of a pass rusher around the edge, but this is not a good look, man. Like, what is going on here? You see that from Simmons? Yes, you're right. Now, I think Isaiah Simmons, obviously, if he could just beat the running back, he's going to. But his path is deliberate. His path is to keep tight to the guard. Because he right. acts as a pick for Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. If you, if you roll that back, okay. he's acting like a pick. But he still gets stood up. You're right. There's not a lot of pop on contact. That's not Isaiah Simmons' game. Maybe Kayvon just gets slowed up because Okereke gets in his way. Okereke got, got flushed down the line of scrimmage. And I really think that's what blew up Kayvon Thibodeau's uh, opportunity to get the Giants for a sack. You see how he kind of pushes Okereke, stops, like restarts himself, is hesitant, and then goes... I don't think he realized how much time he might have had. Maybe space he had. Like he could do that. He needs to take a tighter corner around the around the loop there. I feel like maybe he thought that Okereke was so going like, wide was coming around. What happened with Okereke? Why did he get his ass bitched? Uh, I don't know, and I don't even know what his role is on this too. By the way, Okereke, because he's getting bit, he's getting pushed down, and then he's spinning back outside. Was Okereke going to try to loop around? Was that for Lawrence? That's what I was thinking. Like, let's look at what Lawrence does on this play. And we're spending a lot of time on this for the folks here, but just an interesting play. It's a third and 11 spot. Um, maybe. That's, yeah. Maybe. But I mean, Paris Johnson is still there. Paris Johnson right. wasn't having it. The rookie from Ohio State, he was like, nah, son, like, that's not going to happen. I, I like the fact that this is schemed up. It's creative. It's going, it's an attempt to take advantage of the protection. It worked. It just wasn't executed well. It's similar to what right. we talked about on offense. Brian Dable discussed how execution was a big issue with the team through the first half. That was definitely true for the Giants, but I think it also pertains to the defense, specifically with a play like that. You had it schemed up. The running back was removed. It was a six-man protection, and you had a free rusher, and the free rusher just was a little hesitant to hit the gap. Yep, and we'll finish here, uh, at least for me, uh, with a rep from Trey Hawkins at the top of your screen up here that I just thought was a fun one to put up here. I thought he read, really ran this route for the wide receiver, which is exactly what you want and exactly what you can hope to get out of him. And just perfect, in my opinion, textbook coverage, runs the route, gets into the spot, yep. no chance at PI, it shouldn't be. He came close to intercepting it on this, which would have been awesome as well. So just one final rep I wanted to share here, Nick, and yeah. we can we could turn it back to you now. Yeah, I just want to give O'Shane Zimena as a player that – we have given a lot of crap to in the past. Mm-hmm. I would say rightfully so. I mean, I don't even know if rightfully so. He's a late third round pick who's had okay tape, had a pretty big role early in the season, but a player that we don't necessarily want playing. After the Giants' second touchdown, you start to feel the momentum. You felt it in the building. All the Cardinals fans were loud the entire game. The yeah. girl who sat next to me <laughs> moved because I was a Giant fan. The, the guy she was with really? was a giant. Yeah. And it was weird because I sat down, damn. It's like you're not even like a vocal giant fan at games, uh, though. Of course I'm not. You know how I am. But <laughs> uh, like, I'll, you know, I'll get into it a little bit. But no, I'm not overly vocal. I wasn't screaming. I wasn't doing anything. But she like kept looking at me all weird and shit. And I was like, why the, Why is she looking at me? And then she just got up. She's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And <laughs> somebody else sat next to me. I guess I don't know if it was her boyfriend or whatnot. And he had a red shirt on. And I'm like, 
I'm like, what the hell's that up with? And then he's like, oh, go Giants. And I'm like, wait, you're a Giant fan? You got a red shirt on. He's like, yeah, no, I'm here with Cardinals fans. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she was like, yeah, I'm not sitting next to a Giant fan. Trying to make it like a whole like joke and thing. And I was just like, it's just an odd social interaction that I yeah. just had in the stadium. And I'm lucky that I'm glad that like Diana, I don't even think she realized it because she could be a little bit vocal. That wouldn't have been good for you. If she even, any attention from any female would have been bad for you in that spot. No, no this was very negative attention or, or perceived. Doesn't matter, negative or positive, any kind of attention. <laughs> Oh man. No, but, um, yeah. So you started to feel the tide changing, Yeah. but then the Cardinals started driving down the field and the giants took, I think it was a, I can't remember the penalty. I think they took a penalty and they started getting these first downs and I'm like, Oh crap. But here's a first and 10 run where O'Shane Zimenez does a very good job setting this edge. And that's not something we have said often since yeah. the giants drafted this guy in 2019, he sets this edge. It's textbook, Dan. He sets this edge and he forces James Conner to bounce all the way around the formation. They get one yard. And then the next play was an incomplete pass. But Dory Jackson knocked it away. They flagged it. And I was like, there's no way that's going to stand. And luckily, the ref ended up picking it up because it was just yeah. beautiful coverage. And then the next was the shot that you just went over to Trey Hawkins, which forced the Cardinals to punt the football. Giants get it back. And honestly, if this play doesn't happen and this is like any of the other runs that we've gone <laughs> over, even though it's not counter split zone. Yeah. Who knows, man, this is probably the best edge set of the game. And it's from O'Shane's and against a pretty talented young tackle in Paris Johnson. Right. So I wanted to give him credit. And also it's set up too, because Will Hernandez gets blown up. I think that's boogie. So I wanted to give him credit too. boogie Basham. Does a re- is that boogie? He does a really good job on this play. If that's him. Is that him? I can't tell, but that is a really good job pushing Hernandez right back into the lap of James. No, it, it's it's Rakeem. Rakeem Nunez okay. Roche. It's ninety three. That's an excellent play by Rakeem to just push Will Hernandez. Not only does he get Hernandez displaced, but watch him set to the uh, B gap. That would be, I think, or maybe that's the A gap. Whatever he sets to the inside. And then he goes right back to the outside. Ooh, James right. Scott, yeah, that's a, such an underrated play by him and O'Shane Zimenez. And little plays like this, Dan can be the difference in you winning or losing football games. Michael McFadden misses that tackle. And then you have a missed tackle from Trey Hawkins, which is kind of dumb. Like both those missed tackles, specifically the Trey Hawkins, or not Trey Hawkins, the Jason Pinnock one. Like that's a missed tackle, but Jason Pinnock's coming from a crazy yeah, angle. Like that's shouldn't, that shouldn't be counted as a missed tackle. They need to do a should. better job of figuring out how to adjust to like the difficulty of the tackle, in my opinion, again, specifically in that spot. I 100% agree, man. But yeah, I wanted to tip my cap to to those two players because that's a big play in a big spot. Got the Giants offense football back, ended up scoring, ended up winning the football game eventually. And look, when we do run it back and prorate or uh, not prorate, um, retroactively give out awards for players, we're going to go ahead and maybe give on heralded to Shane Simenez for a play like Simenez for a play like that. So anyway, that's One all more the time. Thing, yeah, One go, more go thing. I think we should have a quick discussion on Kayvon Tibbet, though. Mm hmm. What is our overall assessment of this? Because there is a lot of, I don't know if rumors is the right word, but just negative discussion and conversation on Twitter about Kayvon Thibodeau being a bust and whatnot. And I'll say this is my takeaway. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a great look. He dropped in the coverage nine times in this game. There were times where I think he was pass rushing, but he was he was taking care of a responsibility at the same time that was that tight end if he was just chipping and releasing. So he wasn't fully pass rushing all the time. With that being said, something was off. I don't know what it was. He looked, I don't want to say disinterested because there were plays where he was somewhat hustling, but it did seem like at the end of certain plays, Dan, he was just getting blocked back and he was just getting pushed back. And then eventually he was like falling on the ground and there wasn't this like fight about him. 
towards the end of plays sometimes. And it seemed to me to be maybe a mental thing. And I have no idea if that's accurate, could be wrong, but something was off. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I spent a lot of time last week defending Kayvon Thibodeau on Twitter. Uh, obviously, I felt like week one was not a good example of what we you just discussed, Nick. Unfortunately, I have to say week two was spot on to what you just discussed. I We went over two of the plays, that pass rush play on third and 11. I have no idea why he was so hesitant on that, on the loop. He should be having a much tighter angle, in my opinion, going right to the quarterback. It's his job. That's what he should want to do, get the quarterback. The run play you talked about, he should have definitely had a TFL on that. And he just looked slow and weird and lethargic on that. I just feel like he was something was off with him. We'll never actually know this. This is not what we try to do here, but it just didn't look like any effort. Like people I've seen people like I put up some of those clips and I've seen people be like, see, this is what I was talking about. I saw this at Oregon and it's like, eh, I didn't really see this ever at Oregon. A B we didn't see it at all with the giants in year one. Like effort was never an issue. And I'm not going to say effort was a big issue in this game. I think it was more just like mental, like, you know, like, being more aggressive with what you see and just yeah. trusting what you see. And that's, I don't know why he's not trusting what he's seeing right now because this is year two in the system. It's not year one, but for whatever reason, he's not Nick. And I got to say, when you combine all of that and, and there's some good reps in there too, like you showed a great rep that no one's going to talk about this week that, that when he set the edge and knocked back that player two yards into the backfield, you don't see that from any giants defender ever really uh, on the edge, at least in my opinion, like the Zimenez one, that was good textbook, but it wasn't like he was knocking back Paris Johnson. And so that rep won't get discussed. And it's a great rep from Kayvon Thibodeau, but when you combine the reps we discussed, the scenes game, with also the fact that I know he didn't have a lot of reps in. This is the big thing people don't realize. When he's dropping in coverage, he's not actually allowed to rush the passer to. You can't do two things at once. So he doesn't have the same sample size as some of the best pass rushers in the NFL, even the Aiden Hutchinson types who were drafted with him. But when he does have the opportunity to get these one-on-ones, Nick, like the one you broke down earlier, he's not winning these one-on-ones either. So you're combining not winning a lot of one-on-one pass rush situations, weird hesitancy at times in the run game and just overall, and what are we getting here right now out of Cave on Thibodeau? We're not getting what we need out of Cave on Thibodeau. That's obvious. So, yeah, I'm still game one. I didn't buy the narrative. I didn't like the narrative. Game two, unfortunately, I see what I see on tape, and it's not it's not a good sign right now. I mean, he's lower on my concern list for some, personally than like Leonard Williams or Bobby Okereke, because I think with Thibodeau, he could easily snap out of this at any point. And I think it's just like a weird mental thing, and he's younger. Okereke, they just gave a massive contract to. They pushed back some cap hit because they had to clear space. Like he's on the team no matter what. Leonard Williams is, yes, they're going to get off that contract finally. Thank God. Dave Gettleman, good job there. We got one good season out of that contract. Good job, buddy. Like you traded for him in a pending free agent, like a total idiot would do. Total noob would make that trade. Like only idiots trade for impending free agency, <laughs> free agents. And they were two and eight that year, but I'm not going to go off on Gettleman right now. Everyone shouldn't by now know that because there were people, though, Nick, that came at us. I know. I know. I and know. said, oh, my God, you guys criticized the Leonard Williams trade. Ha ha ha. Where are you guys at now? Well, we're right where we were because we got one great season out of him and he's now 33 million against the cap. And so, like, I'm more concerned with Leonard Williams being looking like that on film because he has to be more than that. And Okereke because they're stuck with that. Right. And and that's fine. Like, okay, okay, we think we'll be better with time. He's new to yeah. the system. Leonard Williams, I have no idea what's going on there. I'll be completely honest with you. But Kayvon is now in that mix of that same group because while they don't have the same financial commitment to him this year, they have the cat the draft capital to him, right? And this is something I've thought about, Nick. What did we do these past couple draft classes, the first years of, of Joe Shane? And not just did the draft. Let, let's just stick with the draft for now. All of our premium assets, with the exception of Kayvon Thibodeau and Deontay Banks, went to the offensive side of the ball. Second round picks on the offensive line. Third round picks on the offensive line. 
Um, where else did we go with it? We had a second round pick on a wide receiver, right? We had, where was the other third round? There was one more that I'm missing. Third here. round pick. Well, yeah, Wandale too. Wandale Hyatt. Yeah. It's two day, two picks. On two day, receiver. two picks on a wide receiver. Two, uh, two day, two picks on an offensive lineman, right? We also had, uh, and, and, and so, and that, and that's how Cordell it is. Flott, and, and we had Cordell yeah. Flott, but that's the defense side of the ball. And then Evan Neal, another massive draft capital pick on an offense side of the ball. They haven't given Wink Barndale a lot of draft capital to work with, but one draft capital, big draft capital swing they gave him to work with is Kayvon Thibodeau. So he does move into that mix of that big three right now for me. Okereke, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon. If this defense is going to turn it around, it's those three who are going to turn this thing around. We know what we're getting out of Dexter Lawrence. That's not going to change. We're good there. Deontay Banks looks really good for, for, for a rookie cornerback in his first two games. But those big three... They have to be difference makers. Okereke, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon. So, yes, I'm at the point now where I have to put him in that mix. And we'll see what happens this week against the 49ers. But, yeah, unfortunately, like you said, it's time to look at the tape. And and I don't think that was the case in week one against the Cowboys. So I think people were off back then. But I think now, in week two, they have a they have a fair gripe to come down with uh, on Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm just wondering why. Like what what changed? And remember when we talked to Ken McCusick about Wink Martindale's system. And when we did our own film analysis on it, one of the most important parts of the system in terms of an individual's responsibilities is the Sam linebacker, the outside linebacker who is going to be near the tight end, the Sam. That is what Kayvon Thibodeau is executing. I think it was Tyus Bowser who operated within that role for a while with Wink Martindale. And within that, you're not just rushing the passer and setting the edge. You got to worry about coverage. You got to worry about zone and man and all this other shit. Maybe that's just a lot for Kayvon Thibodeau to process right now because he did possible. Like, I'm not. I don't want to call out his effort. And again, I didn't see it at Oregon, so I don't really care what people say. Yeah, there was something off. It did seem like he was. I don't want to say, but something wasn't right, bro. It's weird. I think I would lean more toward what you just suggested than the actual effort side of it. But then I also think like he was in the system last year, and this didn't like he wasn't playing as hesitantly last year. So it's like odd from that standpoint. But maybe they're just throwing more on his plate. We don't know. The two plays that you broke down a little bit earlier, both of those were hesitation issues. Right. Why am I not going in at Josh Dobbs? Why am right. I not going through James Conner when I know Pinnock has contain and force yes. next to me? So I don't know, man, but he has a quick turnaround, quick week, and Giants are going to need him if they're going to have a chance against San Francisco. Yeah, they're going to need Tim. They're going to need all three of those guys. They're going to need a lot. It's going to be an interesting game. But hopefully, you know, sometimes weird things happen on these Thursday night games. Not always, but sometimes you never know. But we will be here again tomorrow to preview that 49ers game. And other than that, we'll be back right after it, the day after on Thursday. This is a big week for Big Blue Panther. We're going five days in a row on podcasts to recap the game after Thursday night football. Hopefully the Giants can find a way to pull the upset off, Nick. You never know. But until then, thank you everyone for listening. Please like and subscribe. Please give us a rating and review. Please help support the show. And that's all we'll ever ask from you. Other than that, have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you soon.